of learn the necessities of a practice. And the HSR, of course, knew the basis of this speed. For the others, we can say that Mulhani learned rapidly because his first training was in how to learn. And the first lesson of all was the basic trust that he could learn. It is shocking to find how many people do not believe they can learn, and how many more believe learning to be difficult. Muad'Dib knew that every experience carries a lesson from the humanity of Muad'Dib by the Princess Kirani. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Bro, how's that intro? Sorry, for those of you um, just listening in now, I, we've changed all formats. We've had some te- technical di- difficulties getting here to Chapter 9, but we finally found a format that works. Yeah. We're here You're using StreamYard broadcasting live at the moment to YouTube. So if you want to watch us, we're at Reading Dune on YouTube. And you can just uh, tune in there. We're live right now. Right meow. Wow. Don't say anything you wouldn't re- like you would, you'd regret. Now I'm nervous. Now I feel like I'm going to say all the worst possible things. <laughs> well, at, le- at least we can learn and we can learn fast. Yeah. Fair enough. Is there a way for people to know right now that we're live? Like, is you like tweeting this or something? Or is it just kind of like if you stumble upon reading Dave on YouTube? Well, I think uh, as of now, we'll take it easy. And no one's probably live, so we don't have any live comments coming in. But mm-hmm. eventually, I figure, you know, episode 30, chapter 30 or something, people, like, you know, gain more of a traction. Interesting. But no, I should uh, I should tweet about this next time. Good job. Way to, way to hold me accountable on keeping us hey, up to date in the socials. Just trying to, just trying to make us uh, podcast famous, you know? <laughs> I mean... It's got to do your due diligence, right? Yeah. That's the Uh, marketer in me. (laughs) I understand. I understand that. Um, All right. So what do you think about the quote? First and foremost, I thought it was interesting that it's a new book by the Princess Irulan, Mm -hmm. The the Humanity of Muhadib. I didn't even notice that. He's uh, thumbing through his Dune book that is becoming more and more used every day. Yeah. It's, It's getting more and more wrinkly as we go on. As all good books should. Yeah, the humanity of Muhadib. That's cool. Right. There's so which means there is a part of him that is almost not human. Do 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 do. Or it will be in history. <laughs> I feel so silly sometimes because like you'll point something very obvious like that out, and I'm like, how did I not catch that at all? I'm a smart man. You are indeed smart. And this is the, as I'm reading this through for like the fourth or fifth time at this point. And this is stuff I'm just catching. So I just, since we're in this format where I can just point little things out like that, I like to. Um, and I love how what he's talking about, like the Bene, the Bene Gesserit, of course, knows the basis of the speed, right? They taught him how to learn. He's got his Mentat trading as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, I love this, how it says... Like his first lesson is that he could trust himself to learn. And how many times do we trust ourselves to like, hey, this is a hard situation, but I know I can figure this out. 
right? It's that whole, I think Frank Herbert here is trying to like make a jab at people. Like, come on, if you, you can learn, it's not difficult. We're just taking it one step at a time. Right. Like this, this quote, I really liked it because people forget how to learn. And that's like a huge bummer. You know, when you're talking to somebody who has everything figured out and they know all the right stuff about everything, you know, and it's like, actually you're misinformed, you know, like, I don't want to say you're wrong because being right and wrong is kind of like, who cares? But well, yeah, especially when all the variables are mixed up and there is no definite clear action, especially in this you know world, there's so many different possibilities that right. it's, I, it's hard to nail down what is, what is truth. Um, gosh, I'm just but, I'm circling this whole thing. <laughs> juice. It's real spicy. Oh. It's real spicy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So in the last chapter we kind of had, um, it was more dialogue right between Jessica and Yui and they were kind of like talking about Paul. They walked into Paul's room and they saw him sleeping. They had a whole conversation with just right there. Um, and then they leave and it starts this chapter and this chapter, we finally get some action for you, Evan. Yes. Do we ever. It's suspense right here. So we start with uh, Paul's laying on his bed, um, feigning sleep. It had been easy to palm Dr. Yui's sleeping tablet and pretend to swallow it. Sneaky Paul. Right? He's like, oh, we, we just showed up. I'm going to go straight to studying again, set up my room, which has probably already been set up for me. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, no one's sleeping. Why should I sleep? Like, let's go party. There's right. so much to discover. Right. In his room. Right. Like he hasn't even started yet. Um, so he's, of course, listening to Jessica and Yui. And I think like we really haven't seen Paul sleep at all yet. <laughs> right? He was in the, beginning, in the beginning of the book, the Reverend Mother showed up and he was like listening to them. So yeah, Paul just doesn't like to sleep. Maybe he doesn't need to sleep. I mean, that's that that's somewhat what wish to have. Um so now we had, we go to the room, right? So Paul's attention went to his carved headboard. It was, it was a false headboard attached to the wall. It had like controls. It had a leaping fish shaped in wood, thick brown waves. Um, this, this headboard isn't from Arrakis. It didn't come with the room. He brought this one with him. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, this whole room was designed with Paul in mind. Uh, let's see, if you push one button in the fish's eye, it would make the room suspenser lamps turned on. The waves, you twisted it, controlled ventilation. So, like, the whole thing is one big keyboard. Mm -hmm. And so we have a bookcase that stood against the wall to his left. He knew that if he swung that aside, it'd be a closet. And there's a handle on the door, was patterned after an ornithopter thrust bar. So, I mean, 15-year-old, that's pretty cool. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. An ornithopter? Yeah. Oh, it's our first reference. Uh, it is their flying vehicle. Oh. So they'll be described later on, but it's kind of like a helicopter. Oh, cool. Right, that's, yeah. Been around for thousands of years, just their mode of transportation flying around. Gotcha. Um, 
it was just as if the whole room had been designed to entice him. The room and this planet. Like the whole planet is his to like, it's just, I can't imagine being 15 years old and there's just this whole new world, literally like beckoning you. And he's got that terrible purpose somewhere deep down that just loves it. Yeah. So now he's trying to think he hasn't actually seen the planet. He probably just, you know, got beamed down in the ship and then like taken straight to his room. Super like you saw the city, saw the shield wall, but he still hasn't really seen much of it. So he thinks back to a film book that Yui had shown him. And again, this is things I'm catching for like the first time. It's the Rackus, His Imperial Majesty's Desert Botanical Testing Station. It was an old, an old film book before the discovery of the spice. So how old is this book? So spice was found and then used to jump space travel again. So it was before the Butlerian Jihad, before the thinking machines tried to take over and that big thing that happened there. Um, Arrakis was used to test plants. They were seeing if they could change the environment of this desert planet. They're trying to terraform it. And so he's thinking in his, in his head, like, they've tried this before. There are these testing stations. Why can't we try it again? Kind of a thing. Why is this place so horrible? You know, especially when he's come from a world that he's only known water and vegetation. Like, I mean, if I'm Paul, that's the first thing in my mind. Like, yo, Kaladin was sweet. Right. Why can't we make this place like that? Or why does this place have to be the way it is? Right. Why is it this way? Yeah. I think that's like the foundational question in learning, right? He's when he wants to know the why, how do we figure this out? What's happening? So right. his, his brain is starting to move in those directions. It starts with that curiosity and finding a problem, you know? Yes. Finding a problem and then like, trying to figure out where the solutions are. What do I need to uncover yeah. to really see what's going on? Okay. So yeah, we have, um, the names fitted through Paul's mind in each picture of the book. There was a mnemonic pulse, right? I don't know what that is. I'm sure his brain just remembers it. So it just names off a bunch of different stuff. They say kicks, kit fox, desert hawk, kangaroo mouse, um, names and pictures from man's tyrannic past and many forms now oh, and many to be found now nowhere else in the universe except here on arrakis right so, so talking like these words are like earthly words like words from earth you know it says man's tyrannic past so like the yeah. somewhere way back in the past these are the same things that were on earth yes okay okay Yes, I think that's what Frank's implying. Yeah, that these came from Earth and have somehow evolved and adapted to live in Arrakis. Mm. There's so many new things to learn about the spice and the sandworms. Sandworms don't exist on Earth, no, not that I know. I mean, maybe deep down in the ocean somewhere oh. they do. Right. That's that's what I. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> uh, the, it seems like the the words that he's saying, you know. Names and pictures from a man's tyrannic pet. Yeah, so like, I don't know. Maybe it was, Arrakis was found a long time ago and they named everything with like earth names. Yeah, that, that could be a thing. Or in the future that like 
no other planet is using that kind of nomenclature for their stuff. I can see that. Nomenclature. I think that was, that was a pretty big word. I think it was correct. And I think it was pretty cool of me to say so. I mean, I think reading helps your vocabulary. Oh, indubitably. (laughs) (laughs) So parents, if you want good vocabulary to your kids, make sure you give them books to read. I'd start with Dune if they're anywhere in the age of reading Dune. Right. And there's a whole podcast that these guys do that you can follow along and they explain everything to you. It's pretty rad. I think it's pretty cool. If I would have watched one of these, if I was, they had one for like a Romeo and Juliet, like in sophomore year of high school or something. Oh, that would have been helpful. Anyway. That would have been helpful. Moving on. <laughs> so the door closes in the other room. Paul hears his mother's footsteps. So the end of the last chapter just ends. Um, this is where he's like, yes, it's my moment. I'm going to go for it. Right. So he slips out of bed, head for the bookcase door that opens into the closet because, you know, always got to check if there's monsters in the closet first. Right. He stopped at the sound behind him and turned. The carved headboard of the bed was folding down into the spot where he had been sleeping. Paul froze. His, at the moment he freezes is what, is what saves his life. So the headboard, right? It's like it sensed his movement and then went into it. Right. Like it turned on. I'm picturing like the whole headboard just goes like, you know, like goes down, which doesn't seem like something that your headboard's supposed to be able to do. Anyway, keep going. And from behind the headboard slipped a tiny hunter seeker, no more than five centimeters long. I mean, I don't know. This is what I picture. Is remember in uh, the Matrix, and they had like the the worm like robot things that was in Neo's stomach. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I picture. Okay, Just, so it's, I was having a hard time understanding in my brain what the Hunter Seeker looked like. I literally I read it and I thought it was something I was supposed to know, so I almost Googled it to like, but that I wouldn't mean, my like. There, there's pro- there's probably a picture somewhere. Right, but. So this is this is mechanical. I would say, yeah, it's mechanical in nature. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, we're going to see how it operates here in a little bit. Right. So Paul recognizes it at once, a common assassination weapon that every child of royal blood learned about at an early age. So it was r- rev- rev- ravening, silver. Ravening? Ravening? We know words, indubitably. It was silver. It was a metal. Right, yeah, context clues. Um, silf, that's a context clues, ladies and gentlemen, is, is when you don't know a word, you kind of read what's around it and try to figure it out. It helps when you don't have a dictionary or Google nearby. <laughs> We're so good at this. <laughs> My English teachers would be very proud of me at this point. <laughs> no joke. I might send this to them. It was a silver of metal guided by, some, by a nearby hand and eye. So, so it's somebody's controlling it. Okay. It could burrow into moving flesh and chew its way up nerve channels to the nearest vital organ. The seeker lifted, swung sideways across the room and back. It's looking. And Paul's mind flashed to the relative knowledge, the hunter-seeker's limitations. So, it's a compressed suspensor field distorted the room to reflect its target. The operator would be relying on motion, anything that moved. A shield, right? He's got a shield belt on. His dad has a shield belt. Could slow a hunter and give it time to destroy it, but Paul would put his shield on the bed. 
Right. Because who wears a shield to bed? Especially on your first night of Arrakis. Nobody. 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 Shield. Right. So he's going through the checklist. How do you kill this thing while being completely frozen as it's scanning the room? Lay's gun could knock it down, but Lay's guns were expensive and notoriously cranky of maintenance. So that's always nice. And there'd be a peril of explosion, pyrotechnics, as the laser being intersected a hot shield. So uh, let's not do that. <coughs> so lays beam, lays gun, shields, and no, lays guns and body shields do not mix. We'll just put that out there. They do not mix. Cool. Now, Paul held himself in a near canatonic immobility, knowing he had only his wits to meet his threat. Right? There's that. What is Paul learning right now? How fast is, is his mind operating? Um, man. So, yeah, it's just a nod to Paul being able to learn and learn fast. So he thinks, he's, I must try to... He's going back to all this knowledge that he's just been accumulating over his whole 15 years of existence. So, like, it's literally like this thing pops up and he just starts, like, reading a book on it. Right. And that kind of had to be how the Bene Gesserit would teach you too, right? So they have like Jessica and the missionary protectiva, right? There are certain words that are ingrained in her brain that when operated on, like we saw with Mapes, like things will just happen. Right. Um, it's like you pull up a memory you didn't know you had, or you just start talking and it's like, oh, it's just been there deeply implanted in your subconscious. Okay. So he says, I must try to grab it. But the suspensor field will make it slippery on the bottom, so I must grip it tightly. The thing dropped a half meter, quarter to the left, circled back around the bed, still looking. And Paul's like, who's operating this? Like, it's not going on its own, because there are no thinking machines, so it can't, you gotta be an operator. Has to be someone. He goes, I should shout for Yui. But it would take him the instant the door opened. Man, he should have asked for Yui. He would have saved him a lot of problems. <laughs> like... We don't, us reading it, we don't know if it's Yui controlling the thing. True, it could be. Because he's the only person that we know is close enough to be operating it. Yeah, yeah, that we know of. And we know because of Piter's plan, we need an assassination on Paul. Right. So this is that, yeah, it's that assassination. So the hall door behind Paul creaked. A rap sounded there. The door opened. The hunter seeker arrowed past his head towards the motion. Paul's right hand shot out and down, grabbing the deadly thing. It hummed, twisted in his hand, but his muscles were locked on it in desperation. With a violent turn and thrust, he slammed the thing's nose down the metal door plate. He felt a crunch of it as the nose eyes smashed and the seeker went dead in his hand. See, that, that, is, that is intense, you know? Um, that's also, that language there is why i thought maybe it's like a living thing because he's talking about eyes and nose and it fell dead in his hand but i guess it's just i don't know this is like how this works if you smash the business end of it it's gonna die right and yeah all the all the parts will go away and yeah it'll just be smashed but yeah talk about like some quick reflexes tense moment Dude, and it's like he's made he's made for this. Like he has yes. been bred for this exact type of encounter his whole life. Yes. Because they 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 learn about these things when they're little kids. They have to. 
Right. You have to get to know what, what might may or may not happen. Um, so yeah. And of course, with the way houses all work, of course, it's going to be assassination attempts because they don't do full on wars except for what's about to happen very often. So you have to like, what? Well, you, yeah, you know, part of the, part of the plan is the Sardaukar and then the Harkonnen are going to come down. <laughs> I was like, man, did I give a spoiler away too soon? Oh no. No, we, we know, we know they're going to attack. Okay. <laughs> for sure. All right. So we stopped it. He killed it. Who's at the door? Good old matey poo. <laughs> the shout out mapes, right? He meets eye to eye with a total blue that he's only seen in his dreams before. Total blue of shout out mapes. Like, hey, are you the girl from my dream? No, not quite. Slim shout out. <laughs> and she's just so matter of fact, your father has sent for you, she said. And there are men in the hall to escort you. <laughs> the voice, though. Now I can't unhear. Hi, my name is. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> the shadow mapes <laughs> <laughs> alright so Paul's like what is happening who are you and where did what did you do with Yui like, I can't imagine what's happening in his head <clears throat> um, so shadow mapes kind of looks at the thing in his hand and is like that would have that would have killed me wouldn't it like you didn't grab that I was toasted and then Paul's like no, like I was the target. Like, still, who are you? In shapes, mapes, like it was coming for me. Yeah, because you were moving. And then he was like, but more than anything, I think Paul was like, what is happening? And who are, who is this little person in front of me? <laughs> yes. Why am I talking to, who is this? What is happening? <laughs> I was just faking sleep and now I'm awake. And who are you? <laughs> She goes, then you saved my life. And Paul was like, yeah, I saved both of our lives. Like, it's no big deal. And so he's finally, it's like, who are you, right? And she goes, I'm the shout out Mapes, the housekeeper. How did you know where to find me? Your mother told me. I met her at the stairs to the weirding room down the hall. The weirding room. <laughs> Your father's men are still waiting. <laughs> and so, uh, then we see it's Howard's men. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, that's Howard's men are down there. Yeah, it's going to be good. And he, but yeah, he doesn't care anymore. He was like, yeah, they sent for me. I don't, I'm on my mission. So he tells Mapes, like, go to my father's men. Tell them I caught a hunter seeker in the house. And they're to spread out and find the operator. Tell them to seal off the house and the grounds immediately. Don't know how to go about it. The operator is sure to be a stranger among us. No, no Atreides would do this. This has got to be a, a Harkonnen agent. This has got to be uh, somebody's paid off. Hmm. Of course, he wonders, could it be Mapes? Is this Mapes person? But he knew it wasn't. The secret had been under the control when she entered. And so Mapes has to like, she's, <laughs> Jessica should have killed her, right? But didn't. So she's like, oh man, we have a water debt. Please take some of my water. Now this now Paul's saved her. So, oh no. Like I feel like Mapes just going around just almost dying, giving away, having just water debts. Like, oh help me. Right. I still can't tell if she's just like a wacky old lady that's kind of like delusional and weird, or if she's got some crazy mystical prophetic something going on. I mean, it's probably I mean, I think those two are 
it's a fine line. <laughs> right. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, everyone got all the like stories. It's a very fine line. Is she is she good or bad? I don't know if there's a good or bad at this point. But what? So she goes, before I do your bidding, manling, Mape said, I must cleanse the way between us. You put a water burden on me, and I'm not sure I care to support. <laughs> but we Fremen pay our debts, be they black debts or white debts. It's known to us that you have a traitor in your midst. Who it is, we cannot say. We're certain, sure of it. Mayhap there's a hand guided that flesh cutter. Right? She's like, maybe the traitor did that. But yeah, there's definitely a traitor. Right. Paul absorbed in the silence. A traitor. Before he could speak, right, Mapes turned around, went back. She was she had a mission. He thought to call out to her, but um, he you know he couldn't do that because she was already going to do his bidding. Like that was already like, wait, what? Right. The house would be swarming with how it's men doing exactly what she, he said. His mind went to the other parts of the strange conversation. Right. So there's there's three weird things that happen here. Right. There's the weirding room, uh-huh. to which we don't know what's happening there. Never heard of the weirding room. Well, yeah, that's 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 weird. <laughs> um, she said, "We Fremen." So that's his first Fremen. He paused for the muna, uh, mnemonic blink that would store the pattern of her face in the memory. Prune wrinkled, features darkly brown, blue and blue eyes without any white in them. He attached the label, "The Shadow Mapes." So that's his, that's his mentat brain going. Just sort, file, put it in there. He's like, command save, shoutoutmates.jpg. Yeah, put in their Fremen. First Fremen. Under Fremen. So he's still he's still holding on to the, the hunter seeker. Paul turned back into the room, scooped up his shield belt, right? Because now you don't want to leave without one. Right. Get off. Right. You just almost had you had an assassination attempt. And then she said his mother was someplace down where? Stairs. A weirding room. Like he's going to go explore. He's going to go find this weird room. Right. And that ends chapter nine. That was like, I, I, this whole chapter was probably like five minutes long, if that. Right. It was super short. <laughs> and that one moment. Right. For the audience, like I'm reading these chapters right before we record these these episodes. And so I was like, all right, yeah, Caleb, give me a, a little while to read. And then I read it. I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> starting early? Like, what do you think? Um, but it was it was really short, but there was so much in it. You know? Yeah. Um, and you you've been saying this whole time, like once we hit action, we're gonna hit action hard. And that was pretty intense for right. the first action scene. So we're we're good for another like four or five chapters of conversation. <laughs> Perfect. Love this part. <laughs> it's an exposition and then huge action sequence. <laughs> so okay. So we go through Piter's plan, right? It's um there'll be several diversions on Arakeem. And I think that's happening. Um, an attempt on Paul's life. So next, um, Abba will be convinced there's an agent. We know there's an agent. Shout out Mapes who says there's a traitor. And of course, 
Paul will probably tell people down the line there's a traitor. Right. Um, so the next one is how it will suspect it's the lady Jessica. Oh. So in these next chapters, we are going to see how does Piter do that. Right. But, okay. But, like, Paul heard Lady Jessica leaving. Yeah, Paul knows like, it's not her. He's smart and, like, Mentat and B'nai Jezret enough to know that, like, no, she actually left the room. It wasn't some kind of tricky nonsense. No, yeah. The only person that Piter needs to believe it's Jessica is how is Thufer. Yeah, and I guess Paul's a kid, so he's not just going to, like, take his word for it. Right. I mean, yeah, Paul's no one's going to listen to Paul at this point. Like, he's 15. All orders going to come from the top. Boo. Day two on Arrakis. The and Paul, yeah, plan is happening in place. Um, and that leaves us here at chapter nine. Any, Any other questions you have there, Evan? Reading it for the first time? Um, no, I think that's it. I mean, okay, there's a couple things sticking out at me from this chapter. Um, the quote at the beginning. How to learn. How to learn. That's just, like, important. I'm going to read that, like, a couple more times before going to bed just to, like, actually get my brain around it. Because there's something really, really juicy in that quote. Um, Shout out, Mapes. Intrigues me right now. I can't tell if she's a Jar Jar Binks type character or if she's like a Yoda type character. And I have no idea what's coming. So, Yes, she's definitely that guide figure though. Right. But like the Jar Jar Binks type? (laughs) No one wants that. (laughs) <laughs> the negative aspect of the, all of the guy's characteristics. Goofy, like, hey, 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 here I am. That's John Mapes. I think your voice is throwing me off because I mean, it's a small little woman. So, I mean, <laughs> but she sounds like she's from Sesame Street. She doesn't. <laughs> Don't make fun of my voice acting, okay? All right. Well, just I have no formal training. <laughs> just try to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Maybe do my best. Yeah, shout out Mapes' lines or something. <laughs> I think that would be a great idea. Hey, All right. Let us know if you want us to switch voice acting. Please. You can um, do that by just going to uh, Reading Dune, our Twitter, and uh, email us at readingdune at gmail.com. And per Evan's request, I'm going to tweet out right before we go live. Yes. So maybe like 30 minutes before so y'all can hop on and see us when we're doing that so do a follow do the things you do thank you for listening very much for sure thank you (laughs) (laughs) and uh remember to keep it spicy oh definitely stay spicy